Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Free Exchange from CapEx. I'm Oliver Wiseman, CapEx's Deputy Editor. I'm here with Robert Colville, CapEx's Editor-in-Chief, and Sally Chatterton, our Executive Editor, to try and make sense of 2017, which has been marginally less bonkers than 2016, but still a fairly turbulent year, both in British politics and globally. So to try and, to try and make sense of this, the way we're going to do it is we've got a series of categories um, which we're going to award CapEx prizes to the biggest winner of the year, biggest loser of the year, the comeback of the year, the word of the year, the idea of the year, the shock of the year, and the cameo of the year. Um, so, so the first category is biggest winner, arguably the most important, and um, we're each going to nominate someone, then after that we'll debate um, our choices. So first up, uh, Rob, who have you gone for? Well, I've gone for Jeremy Corbyn. Now, as... Uh any Tory would remind you he did not actually win the election, even though he sort of seemed to believe he did. But this has, by any stretch of the imagination, been, been Corbyn's year. I was looking back on the election campaign, and I counted up the number of times the party leaders had the um, the, the name of their... appeared in the manifesto. And Jeremy Corbyn only appeared once in the Labour manifesto, which is where he sort of signed, you know, I approve this document, Jeremy Corbyn. You know, he was he perceived... You know, the, the, the way that Labour was going to win was by sort of forgetting, trying to persuade people to forget that Jeremy Corbyn was even part of their thing. And then a remarkable thing happens. I mean, even before the social care... Uh, Sort of, you know, the manifesto and the social care policy. Even before that, Corbyn's approval rating starts to tick up and up and up. And he does; he's done something which is genuinely sort of unique in politics, which is to reverse the blink test, reverse that instant judgment the voters make of this guy's up to it or this guy isn't. Um, in a way that sort of, you know, all of the rules of how campaigns work, how you know, political approval works, were kind of broken. And I think beyond that. There's no denying he's he's had an, an impact because people like me, so both in, in, via CapEx and in my day job at the Centre for Policy Studies, are now having to effectively rebut his arguments. You know, claims, you know, ludicrous claims about how the economy should work, or you know, about the failures of capitalism, which we you know, we we thought had been done and dusted years ago. You know, he's we're having to debate on, if not on his terrain, then at least on on his terms. Sally, who have you nominated? Mm, I've nominated Donald Trump. Um, sometimes thought to be the world's baddie, but I think Trump's dominated the headlines, um, not always for the right reasons, but he is mastering the news agenda, and I think he survived it. And here he is at the end of the year, still in place, um, unabashed by those many enemies he's made and confronts. He, sort of, he swats them aside as though they're worthless and ignores stuff that he doesn't want to... Here, and a lot of, I think, what Trump does is bluff and bluster. Um, but his attitude is what's important, I think, and his bluff calling, as you'd expect from a businessman. Um, and he's managed to finish the year with tax cuts. And, well, hang on, let Sorry. me get around to Sorry. it. But it's not just his method. It's not just the way that he sort of ignores what he doesn't want to hear. It's, he's a, he is actually getting stuff done. It looks like he's going to get his bill through, um, his, his tax bill through. Um, which many Americans will welcome, um, which business will find interesting. And um, he's keeping many of his manifesto promises, like um, the embassy in Jerusalem. Um, and I think he, he sort of understands optics, doesn't he? So you've got his America first 
Um, it was what he promised also in his manifesto, and that's what he seems to be doing. He seems to be putting America right at the heart of what he's doing. And meanwhile, the, the Democrats are left chasing their tails, wringing their hands, and I think Trump is ending the year on a high, as you say, with, with the tax bill looking like it's going to go through. Sorry, sir, I didn't mean to. Oh, it's OK. But, you know, and also, you know, the healthy economy, poverty's down, middle-class America's looking better. So, you know, as he sort of dominates the headlines, I'm the so country's sorry. getting better you, as well. You, you've, you've played your... Um cards incredibly close to your chest this year and now you're only in December if you come out as a secret Trump uh, Trump fan um, um, so my my uh, nominee for biggest winner is uh, is Emmanuel Macron um, the logic being firstly I think with these sorts of things we tend to be a bit nearsighted and forget about the first half of the year um, and what Macron did in the French elections this year was truly amazing he started a political party last year he um, swept the presidency. They then won a majority in um, in the National Assembly. Um, I think if he'd done the, if you think of the equivalent thing happening in British politics, someone setting up, which a lot of people want to happen, you know, setting up a centrist party, and not only doing that, but then wi wi winning winning a majority, winning power, that would be that would go down as the most amazing thing in British politics for arguably half a century. I mean, arguably since the since the Second World War. So. I think he, um, I mean, I'm not saying a, I'm a huge fan of his, um, but I think what he's achieved politically is um, is completely amazing. And there was, uh, it's also worth adding, he had a bit of a bump this summer, supposedly his po his, the, the, his ratings were, were down, uh, but he seems to have rebounded from that and is now um, sort of back on track. So, but but more just for the, for the, for the uh, electoral feat at the beginning, half, uh, beginning of the year, that's my, uh, that's my choice. So now we sort of, the idea is we now um, pick, pick each other apart in terms of who we've gone for. I'm going to start with you, Rob, and uh, Jeremy Corbyn, because, well, I think that's the he's the obvious contender here for anyone in, 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 in London. Um, there is quite, I'm quite compelled by the case that basically this is as good as it gets for Jeremy Corbyn. And in fact, he should be doing a lot better than he has done because the Conservatives ran about as bad a campaign as, as it was imaginable. And if you look at his polling uh, in the last few months when there's been all sorts of crises in the government, resignations and Theresa May's dreadful speech at, at um, the party conference, you know, he hasn't capitalised on these things. And so from a Labour point of view, you're thinking, how much easier does it get? And yet we haven't built up, the, we haven't, aren't near where we need to be to... Well, there's, 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 there's that quote about um, you know the dog playing poker. It, the, the miracle is not that the dog's playing poker well; it's that the dog's playing poker at all. Um, right. And you know the, the the fact that someone with his opinions and his track record and his beliefs can get you know to the position where they are actually is the favourite to become prime minister is quite extraordinary. You know, Brexit or no Brexit. And yes, you know people. You know there was an element of the free hit about the election. Everyone assumed the Tories were going to walk it. Um, the, the Tory campaign was. There were all sorts of things that went wrong with it. There, you know, the, the, the policy platform etc. But you know, if you are comparing where people stood at the start of the year and where they stand at the end of it, there is no doubt that Corbyn has had a vertiginous uh, rise. I mean, we are not, You know, he, he is now a realistic prime minister, which he he wasn't yeah. before. But that's as much a triumph of expectation management as it is. Yeah, I. I mean, I, in the wake of the election, I was one of those going, "Hang on, guys, calm down, calm down." You know, mm -hmm. th th this may be a temporary thing, but if you look at the demographics, you know he's got he's got time on his side. Well, I, I sort of wonder whether also momentum is doing more harm than good for him because it does run itself like it is a cult, um, and you can see that they're worried down in Brighton about the momentum effect, and certainly in Harringay where it looks like the first momentum council is going to come into power. Um, and I wonder whether that will uh, there will eventually be. Well, there is a growing backlash about that. And also, separately, hasn't Theresa May just um, gone up in the polls? That's, again, that's true. But, you know, if you look at momentum, you know, the fact is, wherever, whatever you think of momentum, and I think an awful lot of things about momentum, you know, they can master, you know, they can sort of put ten times the number of activists on the streets as the Tories in any, in any given constituency. Mm -hmm. And maybe it'll turn out that, they, you know, the Electoral Commission investigation will come down on them like a, like a ton of bricks. But, it's, you know, there is also a genuine, you know, they, could, they speak the, the language of the 21st century in a way that the Tories are finding it really hard to do. Um, 
we're not going to be. I, we, no one's mentioned it on the, the list I can see, but you know, activate the sort of uh, you know, the awful Tory attempt to create a momentum of its own, or the fact that if you go onto the concert, the join join the party page of the Conservatives website, you are still greeted with a mute video of Patrick McLaughlin telling you about why he why he joined the party. You know, and, and of course the other point about the likes of Corbyn and Macdonald is the fact that they that they may not become prime minister and and chancellor is not exactly even that even they would never have dreamed of that the whole point of their movement is to if they if they can wrestle control of of labor and make yes. it a hard left which they, which, which they look like, look like then yeah. that's victory yeah. now so now i'm going to come back at you on emmanuel macron yes. because I, obviously it was very impressive what he did but i put it to you that like theresa may's victory in the conservative leadership election uh, in june uh, 2016 there was a very large element of uh, you know of, ca- of, of, of uh, as he as he walked steadily along towards the finish line uh, other candidates managing to shoot themselves in the foot club themselves in the head or you know that you know the, for, for you, Francois Fillon would be president right now if he hadn't had that unfortunate issue with you know <laughs> being really corrupt <laughs> uh, that, <laughs> no, that, that, that isn't necessarily a bad thing in France though usually is yeah. you say fort de mieux yeah. yeah, and I mean, you know, and, and in France, we're still looking at a country where thirty percent of people could vote for, you know, someone who is far more, you know, far more extremist than anyone, anyone in British politics, barring perhaps Andrew Murray, Jeremy, who's <laughs> sitting in Jeremy Corbyn's staff office. Uh, you know, uh, the, I mean, I, I don't dispute that he has. A, it was an amazing, amazing phenomenon. But um, you sort of look at the the weakness of the of the French elite there to explain it, as well as mm. the natural talent of, of Macron. And what's it's interesting is that when he gets when he gets into power, people start to sort of play a closer look look at him, and the, some of the gloss does does come off. Well, I don't know. I think that you know, they, in France, they still sort of think that he walks on Perrier. I think he's uh, the 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 French. Uh, I you want to be still, uh, demolishing him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will accept that. Uh, the weather was perfect in France for him to, 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 to catalyze. But I think the way in which he not just won the presidency, but then did, the, did it again with the legislative vote shortly afterwards was, was the particularly impressive bit about it. I mean, obviously, the more interesting question for us is the, what, what he, does he actually do to France? What actually happens in... Mm. And I'm willing to concede that the... Um, whilst, one, I think his vision is in many ways... I think he's given a bit of a free ride by British um, publications. Um, so, so I'm, I'm not saying he's France's savior, but I, but I do think that just in terms of the sheer politics of it, he's, he's a very interesting blend of liberal and liberal and protectionist. And I, I yeah. sort of think mm. it, it's too early to judge which of those wins which out. Yeah. And 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 Sally, I have to take you up on Trump as the biggest winner because I think that he has. Um, I think for him, it's been a year of unforced errors that could bring him could yet prove to be you know be his downfall um the way he's handled the way he's handled the investigation into into his his campaign uh and while i'm sort of while i sort of feel like we could have had a much worse version of donald trump that this is basically a lot of shouting and not much disastrous actual um policy making and decision making i do think he's in a weaker position than he was at the beginning of the year. That would be my... Why do you think he's in a weaker position? Surely with the, the tax well, he, bill go, about to go through and he's going to get a second throw of the dice the, the Medi- Medicare reform next year. But the year. tax bill's an interesting novel because it was, it was supposed to be this easy thing, which, of course, you know, when, when they won last year, of course we could do all of these great things now. And actually, even the most basic things they've found quite difficult to do. Um, and healthcare, they've failed in a humiliating manner, as, as far as I can tell. Um, so that would be my take on Trump. Rob, what do you think? Do you think Trump's... Uh... I think Sally does have a point in that he, you know, he has sort of exceeded expectations. Admittedly, in many quarters, expectations were, were so very so very low. You know, and I think Sally also has a point in that the, the, the Democrats are still sort of... I mean, they can, they can whip up people, for example, for the Roy Moore election, um, which admit, there were admittedly special circumstances, but the elections before that. But, you know, they still haven't come up with a coherent, convincing answer to, how, to why did the people who voted for Donald Trump vote for Donald Trump and how can we win them back? It's yeah. all just about, oh, my God, this horrible man is mm, in the White, is in the White House. Just hand isn't it? I mean, I think the Roy Moore thing arguably would have been good for the Republican Party because it shows that these um, bigots can be ousted. And so there, there is a de- decontamination aspect. And I suppose the thing about the thing about there. this year and, and, and events like Roy Moore's loss, the good thing for Donald Trump, selfishly, is he. It's clearly much more about him, the man, than 
than other other forces. I mean, I mean, actually, in a weird way, backing like you know, for Donald Trump, for Donald Trump to be on the front pages and every single day, that's that's what that's that's, that's, that's it's, it's the optics, and I think he understands that, doesn't he? Um, he's been on the Economist twelve times this year, and. Even knows what Time magazine wants to make him person of the year, but you know there was going to be an interview and <laughs> a photo shoot. Didn't I mean? So, and I think that, that, Americans, yeah. you know, that plays into their feelings about um, their president and what he's going to do for them. And I think they feel that he, you know, he is speaking their language. It's time to vote. I does anyone does anyone want to change? Has anyone been so persuaded by their colleagues that they're willing to change? from their nominee I actually am willing to change Jeremy and, Corbyn and I think Jeremy Corbyn is the, even though I play, play devil's advocate I think that yes. he, he is the winner Sally do you no Trump you don't want to come over <laughs> okay she's still Trump so, hashtag always Trump <laughs> forever so, so so by two votes to one yes Jeremy Corbyn is um, is, the, is this year's biggest winner which means we're now doing biggest loser uh, Sally why don't you go first on oh, biggest loser um Briefly, um, I think social mobility is the loser of the year, although arguably you could say it's the loser of the last 20 years. Um, but I say this year because Theresa May stood on the steps of Downing Street and made the case so compellingly, didn't she, and showed some uh, emotional intelligence and held out hand of uh, hope for uh, an economic programme that would address the concerns of everyone in the country and you know look at the lack of progress being made um, with regard to social mobility and build a true meritocracy and it was such a good speech that I think she then subsequently backed up however um, one year on uh, and her social mobility commission have walked out um, and they reported earlier this year that um, we've experienced 20 years of failing of social mobility um, and I know that Brexit is sucking the oxygen from everything else in government but it feels like Theresa May neglects this at her peril because this is the thing that people voted for Brexit in the hope that it would heal the divisions and in fact um, it seems to be making things worse at the moment um, so uh, and it's breeding more anger more resentment more populism or it risks doing that um, and I think that um, social mobility has lost out this year it's a big loser this year Robert well um the, the unimaginative choice, Ollie, would be to go for Theresa May as the biggest loser. <laughs> Who could possibly have done that? <laughs> Who could possibly have done that? Um, so, but I've gone for for Tim Farron. But Tim Farron sort of symbolising some, something more, which is that you know when the Brexit referendum happens, everyone obviously thinks that you know, there is going to be a, a a home of Remain opinion that the, you know the party which is vociferously Remainy will uh, will kind of will, will do well, and it doesn't happen. You instead you get this astonishing repolarization of politics between the Conservatives and Labour, and you know UKIP and you know I could have equally said Paul Nuttall, but you know um, Tim Farrell, you know UKIP and um, the Lib Dems are kind of completely squeezed out of that, um, and. The result, of, you know, one of the results of that is that you have this, this situation where you know people like Tony, Nick Clegg and Tony Blair are effectively now just sort of standing on the sidelines, crying in the wilderness. You know, no, no, stop this horrible thing! And they have absolutely. Is that your Tony Blair voice? That's my Tony Blair. You know, I'm, I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to try. But you know, in a very real sense. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I think, and um, and you know, in, in terms of Tim Farron, it was also a lesson that you know, if you uh, actually have quite strong religious beliefs in public life, then there are increasing swathes of public life where that becomes quite uncomfortable for you. It's a very sort of strange situation to see a party which has, theoretically has the word liberal in, a, in its title be quite so mm. liberal towards one of its own leaders. Okay, that's a, uh, yeah, that's a compelling case, but sometimes the obvious candidate is the right candidate. And I've chosen Theresa May as the biggest loser this year because of... Very obvious reasons, I imagine, if you've picked up <laughs> a newspaper. Looks, this I was a country's man, and I rest my case. <laughs> Wasn't there an election? Um, she um, made a catastrophic decision to uh, call an election, which she then made a total hash of. Uh, and while I actually don't think, interestingly, I don't think that the consequence of that election for for Britain and for Brexit, for example, are are quite as huge as some people would would say. I do think, for her personally as a politician, she is someone who people basically talk about in the past tense when it comes to thinking about politics. And it's not just that, I mean, you could say she's still prime minister, she's um, had a good few weeks, Brexit's looking okay. But she, 
at the beginning of the year, and especially at the beginning of the election campaign, had the chance to, I mean, this ties into the social mobility stuff a bit, she had the chance to actually redefine conservatism, redefine British politics. And she didn't, I'm not necessarily saying that would have been, a, I didn't necessarily agree with her um, her approach, but she had the chance to really change, change things. And not only did she not go forwards, she went backwards quite a long way. So does anyone want to... It does to, sort of uh, tie in with the social mobility stuff as well, want? doesn't it? Um, well, she's gone up in the polls, hasn't she? You could look at the, the, just the, the numbers. And there are reports today, aren't there, saying that people are, find it quite compelling that the way she's dealt with Brexit. I mean, the, those pictures of her getting on the plane in the middle of the night made you think... That, again, it's yeah. sort of the Trump thing, isn't it? The ability yeah. to manage the, the, the media. And she looked like she was working hard at it, at getting the deal. I still think that... Actually, funnily enough, her greatest quality in voters' eyes is the exact one that is the sort of um, competent, getting on with the job approach that didn't really work in the election. But I do think that's, but I think that that's, you know, not doesn't get you. It only gets you so stable. far. I mean, we should no, look we'll slightly, come, we'll come she looks strong, like and strong and stable. We'll come to strong and stable uh, a bit later on. She looks strong now, I suppose, doesn't she? But that's actually arguing with what you think. And Rob, why do you think that? Um, why do you think that? Tim Farron and just more generally the sort of that, that, why do you think there hasn't been this this groundswell of ardent Remainers that have meant the Lib Dems or another party of um, I, I think partly uh, continued scepticism among the young, among young people about the tuition fees and sort of ancestral betrayal and the fact that they were propping up the Tories uh, in the coalition and I think also you know a part of it's just clear, a quite clear eyed um, uh, sense that you know Labour were the party which was um, Best to best placed to oppose the, the Tories, so it sort of became the, the even though Corbyn himself is actually pretty damn Eurosceptic, um, Labour became the kind of home of um, the home of, uh, of Remain. Uh, social mobility, Sally. Mm. I um, do think it's interesting that how quite how often if you read a column about Theresa May or even write a column about Theresa May, you end up um, quoting that speech she mm. made um, on on the on the steps of Number Ten, as people say, even though it was actually. In the middle of the street. That's a small point. Um, but um, and, and that's because it was an excellent statement of uh, excellent statement of, of what credo, she was about. Yeah. And it was so memorable. And so I'm I'm quite persuaded by it. The only thing I'd say is, you know, is it sort of a is it sort of a forgivable sin in the sense that Brexit is so such a big deal that the governments can sort of come back to these things these things later. But how late will that be? I mean, how long are we going to wait until I mean, we can get back to the business of government beyond Brexit? I, I have to say, I'm, I'm sort of with Sally on this one. Um, I mean, I think one of the problems we have is social mobility is often sort of thought of as a proxy for poverty and inequality, and then you get into a huge argument about welfare reform and, mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. But I think, you know, there are an awful lot of people who, for whom who feel the situation... The, the system we have currently isn't working. One of the things which fueled the rise of Jeremy Corbyn that we talked about already, and one, you know, in terms of mobility, uh, you know, it's, it's not so much, um, you know, it, it, it's it's for me, it's, it's sort of about you know inequality and inequality of. It's not, it's not about inequality so much as inequality of opportunity. Mm. I mean, the idea is, you know, I think the idea is a very powerful one that you know people who you can afford houses, presumably primarily, but people who have you know, have quite nice lives in quite nice parts of London are systematically you know, entrenching their advantage and passing that advantage down onto mm-hmm. their onto their kids. Um, I know, you know Sally and I are both parents, and you know, for all that we are, we believe in equality of opportunity. I know, you know both of us would, you know, would. Would literally murder people. Fight to, to our, the death. To get our children. Go to the wall. We would go yeah. to the wall for our, for our for our children. You know. Um, so I know. So I think this is a big. This is a big thing, and it it speaks sort of more generally to to that thing of the, to quote Theresa May speech again, a country that works for everyone. I mean, I think, and I think, in t- oddly, Brexit, your Brexit does play into that. But um, you know, I think that is something to, we really do have to remember. The the only problem I have with awarding this 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 esteemed prize, <laughs> biggest loser, to social disgusted. mobility, is that um, Theresa May, Theresa May's speech was very good at diagnosing the problem. But actually, was there ever a plan? You know, we're implying that she had this great plan to solve the problem, and that if she she was just too busy with Brexit, she, I'm not sure. Well, what, Theresa did, May, did, did, didn't you just say that she was poised to redefine what conservatism was? <laughs> yeah, and then it turned out she uh, wasn't capable of it. So, but but I but I, but I, what I'm saying is, I think but th- it's a tricky it, problem. No, there's, that, a, there's, there's a lack of attention to the problem. Um, and I think there's also a also there's I think as Rob touched on there's a it sort of gets very muddied with lots of other 
concepts mm-hmm. that may, that mean it just becomes about sort of generic Tories are evil kind of inequality, you know. Piketty, all the rest of it, yeah. yeah. Right. I think we need to vote because we've got so many other categories um, to do. So does anyone want to change their mind? Or are you stubbornly sticking I'm to actually, your... You know what? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I, I, I would give you half a vote each. I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, so that means if, if either Sally or I change, then the other person wins. Um, it's, surely it's Theresa May, guys. Come on. Theresa May, the biggest loser. No, she goes into 2018, you know, head held high, I think. Okay, fine. Social mobility. That, was, <laughs> that, seems, that seems sort of... That seems we, appropriate that look, we're, we, we're, we're staying above we're not, the we're kind of away, Staying above personalities. Um, okay, so social mobility, <laughs> and, and, biggest loser. That's all the next category. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, which brings us to comeback of the year. Interestingly, one of us has defined this slightly sort of more geographically, literally, than the others. Um, so I'll go first this time, if that's all right. Um, my, um, my, my candidate is Arlene Foster, um, because at the beginning of the year, she resigned um, as First Minister of Northern Ireland. Her, they're still, that's still an empty, empty job. Um, and she resigned because of a fairly damning story about you know a scandal about about this um renewable energy scandal in um northern ireland which was either either corrupt or cack-handed or a combination of the two and you know that's the sort of thing that you'd have thought would end uh, a politician's career fast forward 12 months and she is or 11 10 11 months she is um basically one of the most powerful people in the united kingdom the entire brexit stage one of the Brexit deal depends on her um, her saying yes to it. Theresa May has to sort of cancel her plans, come back to London. She refuses to answer the phone because she's too, too busy to talk to the Prime Minister and then eventually, um, uh, you know, promises the votes and, uh, hey, presto, we have a deal. So in terms of turnarounds, I think that's pretty spectacular. Sally, who are you going for? Um, George Osborne. Um formerly Chancellor of the Exchequer, uh, summarily fired by Theresa when she came in, um, but now has become arguably um, one of the most powerful members of the opposition, I would have said, in his seat as editor of the Evening Standard, from where he writes splashes, uh, undermining Theresa and um, leaders picking her policies apart, constantly at her heels about Brexit. Um, and yes, I think, you know, he's, uh, he's gone from strength to strength, arguably. I was just looking to see what exactly it was he said about, um, oh yes, uh, and, as, and his motto is, he will not rest until Theresa is chopped up in bags in his freezer. So, Charming. the most powerful butcher as well. <laughs> Rob. So, for comeback of the year, I have given to Pretty Patel, because... Uh, <laughs> 
I'm sure you remember this. As the as the saga of her um, Israeli uh, adventures and misadventures rather un- unfolded, uh, she was summarily dra- dragged away from a a, a, tra- a trade and de- trade mission in in Africa to uh, to come back and face the music. And uh, twin, I think at one at one point, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> the flight tracking website was crashing as people watched the this dot, the, is the, the dot <laughs> containing her plane inch its way closer to the UK. When she arrived at Heathrow, there were helicopters overhead. It was one of those occasions when um, the, the media just goes a little bit crazy, but everyone gets giddily carried away. Um, so, the, yes, pretty to tell coming back from Africa. And who knows, maybe next year she would actually win Comeback of the Year for her having rebuilt her reputation. And you're forgetting the brief sort of final chapter in that where she almost, everyone suddenly thought maybe she won't be fired and she'll be able to sort of cling on somehow to her job. But no, she was, um, she was given the boot. So she didn't come back. Um, she came, she came back. back from she came Africa. Back. <laughs> um, I'm going to disagree with you about George Osborne, Sally, because I think George Osborne's overplayed his hand. Um, I, I mean, if, it, depends what, it depends what George Osborne wants to do, whether he's, this is all part of a cunning plan to... Um, re-enter politics and eventually be prime minister. If that's the case, I think he's um, frankly been too. I think he's been too rude about Theresa May and especially that that comment. And he's also sort of annoyed too many conservatives um, to ever stand a chance. If he's trying to be something completely different, which is a media, uh, you know, well, I was going to say journalist. That doesn't quite feel right. Then, then, then maybe, then maybe that's a respectable comeback. But I mean, I, I think that the issue with Osborne is partly that he found, found himself in the wrong place. It was, you know, he was facing five years of May hegemony, so sensibly went off to the to the standard to you know, to fight a guerrilla warfare mm. against her. And then, actually, had he still been in Parliament after June, then he would have, you know, been in a yeah. much stronger position. Also, I don't feel that he ever sort of sank to quite the same lows as, say, Arlene Foster. Um, that, you know, he was, yes, he was he was fired, but the ease with which he picked up yes, I suppose every so. every job <laughs> seemed to be good. Jobs yeah. Quite a few jobs. You know, Let um, me get my tiny violin out. We're, to, we're hiring for... at Capex, aren't we? Do you think he would... Uh... <laughs> um, the, the thing is whether once you've been in journalism and once you've sort of been able to sway what goes on a front page, whether you could ever go back to politics, I don't know. Well, uh, Michael Gove, Boris Johnson, they've gone in the mm. other direction. Um, so actually, um, I, I, I would, I'm afraid, probably give this to Arlene, I think. Um, Great. Yeah. So. so I've won one. <laughs> okay, uh, the it's comeback of the year goes to Arlene Foster. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be thrilled. Um, <laughs> That's the prize. Okay, um, the next category is word of the year. And this is because the official, um, is it Oxford English Dictionary who... Who did it? The official word of the year was um, announced last week, I think, and, it, and they decided it was going to be youthquake, which we, which I think the consensus is was a, f- the, the consensus is that was a fairly hopeless um, word because no one actually really seems to use that word. Um, so we are going to come up with our own, uh, Rob. Uh, well, having having seen Sally, I saw I'm quite tempted to go for Corfefe. Uh, <laughs> we we, don't, think about we that. talked about that as well. <laughs> Uh, but instead, I'm going to go for productivity, which is um, a very boring word, very but, a, important. but a very important one, um, because it is all about productivity. The entire budget was about productivity. The, uh, it's, there's suddenly been a universal consensus that the thing wrong with the British economy is that it has crippling productivity problems. And more broadly, as, as we at the Centre for Policy Studies, plug, 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 have said, um, you know, what's kept us out of the economic hole since 2010 is an astonishing employment statistics, which uh, for which the Conservative government and their Lib Dem partners deserve uh, an enormous amount of credit. The problem is we're running out of people. There are literally, you know, there aren't, there aren't enough new people who can be brought into the workforce to keep the economy growing on the basis of employment growth alone. We need to, to use that those people better. So... Yeah, I think this is um, a boring word, but a hugely important one. It's, and it's now the, the only game in town. So and, also, and also stretches far beyond Britain as well, because all the other developed countries have seen exactly the same problems. And in it ties into the whole right of the robots issue and blah, blah, blah. So from, from Rob's very wonky, serious, grown-up... <laughs> this is CapEx, you guys. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Rob's very serious um, choice. Sally. From CPS to CapEx. Um, well... I think mine is equally important. Um, it's dotard, as in, well, specifically with um, how Kim Jong-un referred to Donald Trump in a 
tweet earlier this year, which was, I will surely and definitely tame the mentally deranged US dotard with fire. Um, so here we have the young maniac threatening <laughs> the old maniac. And, I mean, it, we, we might laugh about it, but in fact it is pretty bloody chilling, isn't it, really? You think of these two nuclear powers facing off. Well, admittedly, this is only on social media, but, you know, it, um, it, has, uh, it echoes quite frighteningly. And also, um, beyond that, I love the literary implications of it. It was Ch Chaucer's used it, Shakespeare's used it, Tolkien's used it, and I think we should use it more often in our office here. Kim Jong-un's a big film buff, isn't he? Is this from a, do you think there's a film he's seen that has well, is I some sort of Bond villain that says... The, the dictator language, the language of the dictator, or whether he's just got quite an enthusiastic translator. Well... We will we will discuss that in more depth shortly. My let me just get my selection in there, which is three words. Yeah, is that allowed? No, no, no. <laughs> Pick one of them. Um, my, <laughs> I, the reason I'm the reason I'm, I'm I think three words is that is because they're only ever mentioned so quickly after one another. They they, they sound like one word, <laughs> and that is strong and stable. You see how I just what? did that is one word there, um, uh, which was obviously the Theresa May's catchphrase. Um, uh, during the election, and one which backfired so badly because the election made her anything other than strong and stable. I, I would also, I would also say this is a good word of the year because, in a funny sort of way, or words of the year. <laughs> <laughs> this is really falling apart. It's a, it's a good phrase because, in a funny sort of way, the election changed everything. But she still. We actually have got a r fairly stable. I mean, I think by the end of the year, we Brexit so becomes clear. For the sake of time, <laughs> let's just write on your promise. Okay, fine. Yeah, you so disqualified yourself. Productivity against Dota. <laughs> I don't know how we, how those two concepts could ever possibly meet. I suppose the I suppose the real meeting point would be how serious is the North Korea thing. I mean, I'm slight. I'm increasingly. You know, is it, the question is, is it just a war of words? Yeah, or is it's it, fire and brimstone and noise, isn't it, really? I think that's what I said about Trump earlier. I think it ties into that, so I'm sort of writing myself off. But productivity is, Yay! you know, it's important. But, you know. Come Ooh, on, look, Philip Hammond will be dancing, <laughs> as he listens to this, the man whose every, his every budget includes... So PM for productivity. Just, before I've announced anything, Rob's yeah, just ticked. Rob's just ticked next to competition. So I think, okay, fair enough. Productivity it is. That how how wonky of us to go for that. <laughs> um, next up, we've got idea of the year, um, and for this one, I'm going to ask Sally to go first. You would do that. Um, so mine is dementia tax, um, which whether it's a good idea. Or not, um, arguably, I would say it was a good way of uh, increasing funding for social care, which is so needy at the moment. Um, uh, it was the way that it was managed, which was so disastrous um, for Theresa May. Arguably, this was you know, what put the first falter in her previously effortless procession to Downing Street, I think, um, because it was slipped into the manifesto. Uh, it became clear that she wasn't really a master of what it meant. Four days later, she gave an embarrassing announcement about, well, nothing has changed, nothing has changed, when they added um, a cap. And I just think it showed um, a tin ear. Um, unfortunately, a clever journalist leapt on the idea of um, the policy and termed it dementia tax, whereupon it played incredibly badly on the doorsteps. Um, it went down, yes, very badly. And I think, you know, that was when the real fishes started appearing. OK, my, um, my choice here is, is Me Too, which is um, the idea I've picked to symbolise basically the Harvey Weinstein scandal and everything that's happened since then. Um, I'm completely amazed, really, by the scale of this story. Um, the number, you know, it's basically spread to every... It started in Hollywood and it spread to American politics, British politics, other sort of corners of showbiz, journalism. And I do think that when we look back on 2017 and maybe 10 years' time, that the these sort of things that were kind of open secrets in industries that everyone knew so-and-so was 
you know, Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein was, there were all these allegations against him and whoever in other industries. And this is a really, I think, a really significant reckoning in which it will actually change behavior and policies. And I think, yeah, I think this will just go down as one of the, one of the most important uh, things this year. Uh, Rob? Yeah, well, so um, my, uh, I, I picked um, what I thought was one of the more interesting and powerful um, public policy of the ideas of the year, which was David Goodhart's Somewheres versus Anywheres narrative, um, which I think sort of crystallised a lot of the feelings about the, the Brexit referendum, about public policy, about, you know, divisions within our society and, 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 kind of, and what's gone wrong. Um, if you want to know more about it, I, I interviewed David on, on CapEx, and um, it, it, it's all on there. But I'm going to sort of preemptively surrender on this one, because I think both of the ideas that you guys have put up are, you know, in different ways, you know, much more sort of definitive of the year. I mean, Sal, you're right. It's a, it's a kind of tragedy that the, you know, whatever you made of that policy and the, the way it was rolled out, that effectively... I it has now scared off politicians from talking about big and complex and controversial and difficult issues in in their manifestos pretty much forever. The idea that you're going to approach the British public with something that's a bit, you know, a bit hard to grasp is now no one's going to do it again. Um, and also the fact that yes, it did play an enormous role. You talked to MPs on the door, who were on the doorstep; it played a huge role. And allied allied to the fact that there was no no retail offer to counterbalance mm. it, so you couldn't even you, you couldn't say, well, yes, we've got that. But on the other hand. Um, and similar, similarly, the Me Too movement. Um, I think um, again, Crystal, it's it's just yeah, been something sort of hugely. And the, the thing I think that's interesting about Me Too is you, you know, often these things are one story, one genuinely horrifying story, and then a kind of, and then a sort of overreaction, which soon gets out of proportion to the original thing. I've been amazed in this case how. It only gets more horrifying when when it comes to allegations against Weinstein, and then all of you know a remarkable number of the other things. It's just basically been a situation where the the men accused have pretty much acknowledged it. Like it hasn't been yeah. one of these things. I, where more more Spurlock coming forward on Twitter and going, you know what? Just before anyone outs me, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. guilty, guilty yeah. man. It's the snowballing, and you just know that there are going to be more to come. But also, what is um, interesting and powerful about it, I think, is it it shows the power of social media for the good. You know, these t- that every tiny story can have a very, you know, whether you're um, a girl and it happened in the workplace, or whether you're, you know, a famous actress. Each sort of confession yeah. carries equal weight. And so, and so far, the kind of the counter revolution hasn't really worked. You know, right. the, the attempt by yeah. the, 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 that this rather disgusting attempt to um, to sort of entrap the Washington Post by coming forward with fake uh, fake allegations mm. against Roy Moore. You know, there's, the, I mean, the, there was there have been issues about the allegations on the uh, the. Um, uh, language warning, shitty media men list that was mm. like in the US. You know, it's it, it doesn't seem to have developed. In, I mean, and we had the sort of uh, that spreadsheet of MPs here, but it feels hopefully as though that's kind of slightly been diffused. And it's you know, it's it is uh, it's 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 st- it's still kind of as these things go on the side of, about mm. genuine wrongdoing as yeah. opposed to you know a few the, the the kind of the stuff which is. And it feels like it will yeah. make a difference. I think yeah. it sounds to me like and it's obviously not. <laughs> This is obviously more important than, than today's <laughs> game, but it sounds like I've won that round. Yeah. So so uh, so our idea with, of the year with, is is me too. With an honourable <clears> mention <throat> to uh, to the dementia tax. Yes. Why not? Magnanimous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so up next we've got shock of the year, uh, which is supposed to be a sort of moment this year, which was um, particularly memorable, particularly surprising. Um, so why doesn't uh, Rob go first? Yeah, um, again, really simple. The exit poll. Uh, you know, <laughs> June, you know, e, no, e, no one thought it was going to happen. I mean, you know, there were sort of a few buzzes and rumours, right? You know, I, I was getting people saying, oh, yeah, actually, I think it. You know, I'm in, I'm in a, a London seat, which we we should be winning, and we're really quite nervous. But no one expected that. It was, it landed like a bombshell. Um, I'm trying know. to remember what our capex, our Christmas, well, our pre-election. I think, uh, eighty seats, yeah. sixty to eighty seats. I mean, I, I think actually, as I recall, we were on the lower end of yeah, the. Yeah, definitely, um, we pulled it. Low, we call we call it low. low, but but not that low. We probably shouldn't um, embarrass the 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 journalist making bold predictions about ten minutes before the uh, the exit <laughs> poll at the no Centre for Policy Studies party. That, Peter that, Sorry, go on, Rob. You, is that, that is that that's more? Yeah, or less I, mean, I just, I mean, and it, you know, and it was you know, the, the the in the in the Britain at least the political year divides between you know pre-exit poll and post-exit poll. Mm-hmm. You know, suddenly the entire context of Brexit, domestic policy, everything else changed. 
But, you know, but you also think, gosh, are we still believing the polls in the run-up towards that election? Not the ele exit polls, um, which also weren't pointing towards that direction, were they? Uh, Sally, you're going global. You're going international. I am. I'm, uh, um, well, the, the ousting of Mugabe, basically. I mean, who ever thought that was going to happen this year? Um, and also the removing of Grace from the picture as well, who we thought might have been lining up to take over from him. And now we've got the crocodile in charge. Uh, whether it's for the good or the bad, that remains to be seen. But, I mean, it's just the fact that Mugabe is gone is quite staggering. Uh, my... Uh my entry for this one is Trump's uh, retweets of Britain for the Britain First videos. Now, the, really, it could have been it could have been any number of Trump tweets. I, I think that the amazing thing about him is he, you know, we know exactly who he is. We know that he's not going to change. We know the sort of shock and awe tactics he he deals deals in, and yet and yet, you know, a year in to the presidency, I, he still manages to sort of exceed expectations when it comes to outrageous and outrageous use of um, social media and it's just it was just one of those moments which was absolutely insane to think that the president of the United States would be retweeting someone having anything to do with someone so beyond the pale in British politics um, that you know you just they're just not even part of the conversation um, so sort of it was a good example of how maybe he sort of we're sort of used to Trump, but then at the same time, we can never fully get used to quite how bonkers he is. Followed by the rebuttal as well. To and then, yeah, and refusing to sort down, of yeah. back down about it. Um, I guess, I guess, having my point about my my my, my rebuttal to the um, Mugabe one would be that it's sort of too early to tell how significant that would be uh, in terms in terms of what the what the crocodile mm. proves to be but like. I, but I suppose my point is that it was just a shock. Yes, we thought yeah. he was going to be there. Yeah. Till death. Mm. 30 years. Is it 30 years he's been in there? I suppose that's what we were waiting for. But um, yeah, that's what, that, my point was it was a surprise. And I mean, the exit poll, it was, it was shocking. I mean, I can't really, I'm struggling to argue against that. And I would, I would counter-argue counter that you, your basic argument is that you know, Donald Trump has normalised shock. That it is, you know, it's, it is the, 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 the thing about this was that it was not shocking that the President of the United States had retreated from Russia. Yeah. It was incredibly depressing, and, but yet utterly mm. in line with right. you know, everything he'd done, right. he'd done beforehand. Yeah, I suppose. On, I mean, it's certainly in the, terms the, of social media. But. The interesting question about the election, I guess, is, is whether the exit poll, whether, you know, whether the Conservatives had got a, a small majority rather than the exact exit they did, whether Jeremy Corbyn had actually already built up an, enough of a sort of momentum, forgive the pun, um, that, that he'd, he'd sort of already changed, changed the picture quite a lot. Or do you, you think, no, that's just, it's just, it was just the, the sheer scale of the... Well, I, I remember being stood in the room downstairs when it, the news came through and it was, everyone was absolutely staggered. Well, I think you're making my case. Okay, well, I, okay, it's the exit mm. poll. I, I think I'm, I'm willing to change yeah, from the tweets to the exit poll. Okay, another smug tick goes next to Rob's. I, I should I should explain that I did uh, send in my answers first. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> although I, I tried I tried to avoid uh, picking the, the the most obvious in every you are, you in every are, case. You are so fast off. I don't think we've gone obvious. We've got social mobility. Productivity is word of the year. Is that? We haven't done much Brexit, um, have we? Okay, um, the final category is cameo of the year. I'm going to go first on this one. Mine is short but sweet. It is Brenda from Bristol, who, if you remember, was the um, unsuspecting lady asked by a BBC reporter how she felt about the fact that there was going to be um, another election and she said another one and this sort of way is, is that your Tony Blair that's my uh, West Country uh, is it the West Country yeah. is she still Brenda from Bristol yeah and, and anyway that sort of seemed to capture the mood for a lot of people and was a sort of viral sensation and really um, is now firmly in the zeitgeist I'm pleased to report uh, Rob well, so my, my nomination for this is uh, a man who, uh, who 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 burned. Uh, you know, he he was only with us for a short time, but he he burned brightly. <laughs> in, uh, in I'm referring to, of course, to um, Anthony the Mooch Scaramucci, uh, appointed as Donald Trump's uh, press uh, press press secretary, who proceeded to give an off the record in this interview, an on the record interview rather, in which he. Uh, Essentially implied that various of his White House colleagues could go for late themselves. Um, 
and uh, he needed a bad language warning. And so it's for sheer sort of sheer, yeah. delicacy What's... with which he dealt with the press. I mean, it was, and, then, and it was probably you know it was probably fired a few days later after. Yes, after proving to be the least uh, the least media savvy uh, media secretary and spokesman that a- any administration you, has do ever. You, do you not worry that you know? Things are so crazy these days that you know the mooch could be back, and we thought this was a cameo, but actually this is, you know, it will be a sort of mooch for Senate in a, in a, in a few years' a time or something. Well, the, the thing I was I was most um, he was actually following me on Twitter. Apparently, oh, really? apparently, <laughs> apparently he followed. Apparently, he'd followed like pretty much every every journalist who was vaguely doing business or economics or or politics. But it was a sort of weird weird thing to see this guy on the thing and go eh, follows you. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, Sally, your cameo um, of the year. Uh, my cameo of the year is Tobias Elba, the magnificently heroic MP who ran into fire during the Westminster attacks in order to um, to try and save the life of, I think it was a policeman, wasn't it? Yes. Um, and showing us that um, MPs uh, don't just sit in Westminster talking, they also are men and women of action. Um, I feel like Sally's kind of raise the tone in yeah, such a way see, that... Yeah, the moral high ground slightly. <laughs> yeah, and, and so for that reason, it's hard to, quite hard to disagree with her. Um, Go on then, try. I'm worried, that the, I'm worried that the mooch is back. It's going to be back, <laughs> rather. And so for that reason, I don't think we can give it to the mooch because, you know, cameo should be strictly one in and out just a week was it was did he how long did he last a week 10 days something like that they, they actually i mean there was they, i think they, they, they were they, they, it was so so short that they did sort of literally did an oral history of the mooch's <laughs> 72 hours in the uh, yeah um okay well i think i'm i mean i, I really enjoyed brenda from bristol but i think tobias elwood uh, is gonna is gonna um i i, I think I, I think likewise um i mean it, yes uh, damn you sally but but yes <laughs> Um, okay, so that is that is that. We just to run through who we've who we've chosen. Our biggest winner this year, which is probably quite predictable, is Jeremy Corbyn. The biggest loser, social mobility. Comeback of the year, Arlene Foster. Word of the year, productivity. Idea of the year is the Me Too campaign. Shock of the year, the exit poll. And cameo of the year, Tobias Elwood. By some weirdly osmotic zeitgeisty process, that does actually. We've kind of covered we've covered, the we've bases. Covered, we've covered, it's kind of sums up. Yeah, we're There's a little bit of Trump. There's a little, you know, some economic, you know, some Brexit with with Owen Foster, and you know the, the terrorist attacks with with Tobias Elwood. Um, yeah. Well, let's see what. Um, well let's done, see what, let's, <laughs> and, and well done, world. <laughs> let's see what. Yeah, let's see what 2018 throws up. Um, but hopefully, not quite as chaotic here as this year. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.